0: Hi, my name is Barb Nangle. I'm the founder of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery. This is podcast 11, Gratitude. I started keeping a gratitude journal 19 years ago. I know that because in preparation for this podcast, I went and dug out my box of gratitude journals. It was July 23rd, 2000, that I did my first entry. That's 19 years of daily practice of going back through my day to identify things I'm grateful for. I'd read about that practice in Sarah Ban Breathnach's book, Simple Abundance, and it was one of a couple of things she recommended that I actually did she recommended writing um, at minimum five things a day for which you're grateful. And I've actually done that for years and hardly ever missed a day. Often writing more than five things, but always at least five things. It's been quite a commitment that has really changed my life. One of the most important things I've done to improve my life, honestly, it's been actually quite transformative. And now that I'm in recovery, I've upped it to a minimum of 10 things a day, but that's because it's so easy. It's so, so easy to find things I'm grateful for because my life is so much better than it was. My worst days in recovery are infinitely better than my best days before recovery. So there's no way I will have trouble seeking gratitude in my life. And it's really easy to see why I've become such a grateful person, having this habit of going back through my day every day to find things I'm grateful for. This practice has turned out to be an incredible foundation for the work I've done in recovery over the last several years. When I first started keeping the gratitude journal, it was pretty difficult for me to find five things every day that I was grateful for. Over time, it got easier and easier and easier I started getting sensitized to the notion of gratitude. So I'd start spotting things while they were happening and I'd think to myself, ooh, that's going in my gratitude journal. So that really changed my everyday perspective on life because I was rocking around going, ooh, something to be grateful for. When it really started to pay off was when I'd have a really shitty day. Even on shitty days, I was able to go back and find things for which to be grateful. And that is what really turned things around for me. Even though I had all these shitty things happening, I could still see that there was plenty of opportunity for gratitude. And this leads me to tell you about my philosophy of life. Here it is. Sometimes good things happen. Sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes a whole bunch of good things happen in a row. And sometimes a whole bunch of bad things happen in a row, but rest assured, good things will happen and bad things will happen. It's not personal. It happens to everyone and it's not what's happening to you, but how you handle it that determines the quality of your life. So it's not whether good things are happening or whether bad things are happening that determines the quality of your life. It's how you handle it. And what's such a blessing about recovery is that I have been given tools to handle the good and bad things of life. And I've learned that things are not happening to me. They're just happening. And this is also why gratitude is such an incredible practice. It helps me keep the focus on what's good. I'm turning the spotlight on the good things every night before I go to bed. When I started practicing gratitude on a daily basis, I basically started looking for a bunch of silver linings throughout my day. Now, I've always been an optimist. I was born an optimist, but this was forcibly looking for silver linings and retrospectively When this practice really, really came in handy was when I was in an absolute disaster mode or in trauma mode or hysterical or in a deep depression or any one of those really distressing states. Even if I couldn't find something in my everyday life to be grateful for while I was really distressed, I would search for things to be grateful for because I had this commitment to write down five gratitudes every day. And I could see that I had a payoff already from this practice. So when I was extremely distressed, I turned to this practice again. And that meant paying attention to being grateful for things that I had taken for granted, like I can read. If I think for just a moment about what my life would be like if I couldn't read, how different it would be if I couldn't read, there's no way. I could not be grateful. I also thought of other things I take for granted, like I have access to clean water. I can walk about five steps, turn on a faucet and water comes into my house, water that I can drink. Someone told me that they were traveling in a remote place in South America and a native person said to them, is it true that Americans bathe in drinking water? And at first I thought, that's crazy. Of course we don't bathe in drinking water. And then when I thought about it, I was like, wait, actually for them, it is true. We do bathe in drinking water. The water we bathe in is probably higher quality than a lot of the drinking water available to much of the world. So, of course, I'm grateful for the fact that I have access to an abundance of clean drinking water. I'm also extremely grateful that I have a home. I live in a two bedroom condo with a finished basement all by myself. There are people who have dozens of people living in spaces that are smaller than mine. There are people who live outside, some of whom don't actually choose to live outside. I also have access to food at all times. Even if I had no money, there is an abundance of food around me. I could steal food if I had to get it to eat. There's plenty around me, but there are regions in the world where food is very scarce. I also have plenty of access to fuel. If I ran out of natural gas or oil, I could chop down a friggin' tree and burn that. But there are people in the world who have to burn animal dung for fuel. And let's not even talk about the fact that I have heating and air conditioning in my home. The list goes on and on and on. So no matter how awful things are or how they feel to me, there's always something to be grateful for. And that perspective really keeps me focused on the good things. No matter how bad things get or how bad they seem, there's always something for which to be grateful. Now I'm going to tell you a story about how being so grateful came in handy. In 2001, I started dating a guy and we fell in love pretty quickly, or at least that's what I thought it was at the time. Now, looking back, I can see that he was probably just my other codependent half, and that's why it was so intense and it happened so rapidly, which, by the way, side note, when things are happening really rapidly and really intensely in a romantic relationship, especially if you're someone who's in recovery, they become unstable. At least this is what my therapist taught me and it really rang true in terms of my experience. And the way to stabilize such a relationship is to reduce the intensity and reduce the speed at which things are accelerating. That means don't share about deep, important matters right from the beginning. Get a feel for who the person is before you share And go slowly. Don't spend so much time together in the beginning. There is no hurry. If you go slowly and share slowly, you're much more likely to have a stable relationship. Anyway, we were just crazy in love. We had actually talked about spending our lives together. But several months into our relationship, he dumped me pretty much out of the blue. I really didn't see it coming. And I was absolutely devastated because I was just head over heels about this man. So I was just a complete mess. Until my brother died in 2006, it was the worst thing that had ever happened to me, the most painful thing I'd ever gone through. And I've had my heart broken a number of times before this, but not like this. This was really devastating. And then I remembered the most important book I'd ever read in my life, which is Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. And in that book, God said, at every moment, we are choosing who we wish to be. We are declaring to the universe in every moment who we are by our actions. So I thought about that while I was so devastated and I thought, who do I choose to be given what's happened? And I realized I choose to be gratitude. I choose to be grateful. And if I am grateful, then that means I have to express gratitude. So I started making lists of reasons why I was grateful that this man had come into my life. It didn't take my pain away, but it did help me shift the focus away from my pain, which of course is always helpful because we know when we're in heartbreak, somehow we love to wallow in that pain, or at least I did. There was something sort of gratifying about just wallowing in that pain, like I deserve this or I don't really even know what that was about. Anyway, lo and behold, he came back several months later. He said that he needed to do some soul searching because he had been a self-proclaimed bachelor for so long. And not long after coming back, he asked me to marry him and I said yes. And five months later, he dumped me again. And of course, I was absolutely devastated again. Like, who does that? You leave, you dump someone, you come back, you ask them to marry him, then you're like, whoops, nope. Nope. Anyway, I was just utterly devastated again, and again, I went back to the practice of gratitude and wrote down lists of things that I was grateful that he had come into my life. Several years later, I actually got to the point where I was more grateful that he had dumped me than I had been that he came into my life in the first place, and I actually sent him a letter to that effect. Here's another much more current story to illustrate how gratitude has worked in my life. I was fortunate through a series of incredible miracles, which, by the way, I attribute to handing my will and my life over to the care of my higher power, who I choose to call God. I went on a six-week solo road trip in a camper van, mostly out west, out west, (laughs) i rented the van through outdoorsy.com, which matches RV owners with people like me who are looking to rent. And the owner was from upstate New York, which is only about an hour and a half from my home. So my plan was to take the van from the Northeast here and head South toward Atlanta, then West toward Arizona, then North toward Montana, and then head back home East on the Northern route over a six week period of time. But instead, something completely different happened. The first two and a half weeks that I had that van, it saw four different mechanics and the owner of the van put over $2,000 of repairs into the van. So essentially, the first two and a half weeks of my dream vacation of a lifetime, during which I was planning on seeing the beauty of America, I instead spent the bulk of my time troubleshooting problem solving, on the phone, finding repair people, trying to figure out what was going on with the van, corresponding with the owner, corresponding with Outdoorsy.com, corresponding with roadside assistance, and not sightseeing, not meeting new people. Okay, well, I mean, I was meeting new people, but they were repair people and campground staffers mostly. The beauty of all of this was I was really able to stay focused on the good things all while this was happening. I was safe. I had a cell phone so I could make calls and look up places that would be helpful to me. When I was in Tupelo, Mississippi, I was able to have this phenomenal human being, Marty, the RV mechanic, work on the van for two days, which actually turned into three. Luckily, I stayed in town after his first two days of working on it, and I really did that because it was Labor Day, and I was afraid I might not find a campsite uh, if I kept moving on. Anyway, so on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend, I'm driving around town and all of a sudden I hear this really loud scraping noise. So I get out and lo and behold, there's a pipe hanging from the van. It turned out it was the exhaust pipe from the generator, which had been jerry-rigged on both ends and the wire, which Marty called New York style muffler clamp, had given way. So I ended up being extremely grateful that I hadn't left the town of Tupelo because I could call Marty the RV mechanic who I already knew well by that by that time and say hey I'm at the grocery store And can you come take a look at this for me? And he was able to fix it the next day with an actual muffler clamp. Now, I could have been on the highway in the middle of nowhere with no cell service. But instead, I was in a place where I had some familiarity and a person who'd already been helpful to me. Later in the trip, when I was in Oklahoma City, I woke up because there were raindrops hitting my feet. This is while I was in the van, by the way. And this was because the vent and the roof of the van was leaking. I was really grateful that I wasn't in Seattle, for example, where it rains all the time. Then the first time the van actually broke down on the side of the road, which was on the side of the desert highway. And while it was happening, I realized, oh, this right here, breaking down on the side of the desert highway, this is my greatest fear of the trip, realized I was so grateful that I had cell phone service because there was actually a few minutes right after it broke down that I lost service and I got a little freaky then, let me tell you. So you can imagine how grateful I was to get it back. I was also really grateful the second time that it broke down on the side of the road because at that moment I was on the phone with a dear friend who stayed on the phone with me until I got to Civilization. And I was super grateful that that town where I broke down, which was Holbrook, Arizona, had a shuttle. And the shuttle was driven by a woman who was an absolute angel. Her name is April. And her vehicle was a minivan, which meant she had room in her vehicle to take all of my belongings, that is my six weeks worth of supplies, out of my camper van and to my hotel room and then a couple days later drive me to a car rental place with all of my stuff in her vehicle. I was also extremely grateful to Outdoorsy.com for finding me another camper so I could continue on with my trip once it was clear that the first van was not going to make it. Now, I could go on and on and on about more things I was grateful for on this trip, even while my dream vacation was turning out to be something quite different from what I'd expected. But I eventually also got to go to six national parks rather than the nine I had planned on visiting. But how many people ever get to do that, visit six national parks in one trip? and experience just about the highest level of freedom any human being could ever experience. There was a moment in Montana at a lakeside chapel where I was praying and I was struck in a very visceral way by the contrast between the level of freedom I was experiencing in that moment, traveling across the country, seeing all of these beautiful places, on my own timeline with the resources to be able to make this happen, with the freedom in terms of my own time to be able to make that happen. And I contrasted that with the feeling I had had before recovery where I felt absolutely trapped in my life. I felt trapped in my circumstances. I felt trapped in my relationship. I felt trapped by the drama of my life and I was absolutely moved to tears by the contrast between that feeling of being so trapped which really felt like a physical feeling and this incredible freedom that I was experience that I was experiencing and it actually made me sob in gratitude for the life I've been given as a result of my recovery I never could have taken that trip pre-recovery, despite it being a lifelong dream. I was absolutely mired in fear before recovery, though I honestly didn't realize it until the fear was gone. So I never would have gone on that trip before. I could go on and on about the various things for which I was grateful on that trip, not the least of which is being able to have the wherewithal to go on that trip and the absolutely stunning, incredible beauty of the earth. But I will wrap up here by saying that for me, approaching my life with a commitment to be grateful has been absolutely transformative. Every day in my daily inventory, I make sure to note something new that I've done that day that I never could or would have done before recovery. It doesn't have to be something brand new I've never done before. It just has to be something I never would have done or thought or had before recovery. It also helps me remember how grateful I am for the recovery that I have. But I'm not so sure I actually need that particular thing to remember that since I'm aware in my daily life as things are happening This would never have happened before recovery or I would never have said that before recovery or this would have been a complete fucking shit show before recovery. And then there's the fact that I write down at least 10 things every day for which I'm grateful that also help me focus on my recovery. But still, I do like to keep the focus on recovery in my daily inventory, and I'm always grateful for the peace and serenity in my life and for the tools I have that I learned in recovery to how to get back to peace and serenity when I lose them, because I do, because I'm a human. I'm also extremely grateful for the relationship I have with my higher power, even though I had one before recovery, it was nothing like it is now. And I'm grateful for the healthy, functional, authentic relationships I have with other people and the ability to share my experience, strength and hope with others who still suffer from the effects of addiction and dysfunction in their lives. I hope this has been helpful, and I hope that you, too, will be inspired to make a commitment to searching for things to be grateful for. You deserve it. Be well. Be grateful. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe so you can get future episodes of my podcast.